0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Amen. That we could experience it in our lives, this teaching is uh, on the birth and life of Jesus Christ. And my subsection is, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is born. And so that the purpose, my, my, my specific purpose in this teaching is so that we can more highly value and esteem that Jesus Christ, He is the promised Savior. You notice I said that He is the promised Savior, not that He was the promised Savior. Because the promise is still active. The promise is still with us. And He is still alive. And He is still with us. We need to appreciate that we have been given a Savior so that we can stop trying to save ourselves. We need to appreciate that we have been given a Savior. That we couldn't earn it. We, had, we didn't even deserve it. But we were given a Savior. And because of that, we can cease from our own works, our own dead works. We can cease from our worrying and fretting, from our manipulations in our schemes and devices. We can allow ourselves to be saved by the only one that can save us. We can allow ourselves to be saved by the only one that can save us you know i love these these illustrations we were the um the children's ministry we were taking a, a CPR class where we were um you know hopefully learning things that we'll never have to actually put into practice and they were talking about how sometimes you can you can be trying to um, save someone and 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 they might actually come conscious and, and and knock you out right because they they were down and now they're up and but they they don't know what's going on and you know, I'm just so happy that the Lord He He's able to save us even when we didn't yet know that we needed to be saved, when we were fighting against Him, when we were fighting against Him, against His every effort so that He saved us. Let's go to Isaiah chapter nine, our foundational scripture. Isaiah nine verse six. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and a government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It says that the Savior came in the flesh and dwelt among us. You know, when we hear unto us a child is born, it's so personal. It's so specific. It's not, it's not that he was given just in general or just vaguely to, to address some possible needs, but he was given specifically for us. The need was there for us to be saved, and God made provision for us to have a Savior. And it says that, he can, that, that a child was born and we're going to talk about that tonight how how the eternal how that which is greater than encased himself in flesh and dwelt among us encased himself in flesh you know i love that he didn't come as as a as a full grown man he didn't come as a, as as a superhero he didn't come he didn't even come as you know we're going to talk a little bit about about how there have been false saviors in the past through scripture how how some people may have thought that they were the savior other people thought that another person was the savior and how there've been there've been prophets that other people tried to say was the savior and just to just to kind of peep my hand a little bit how how do you know the difference between someone that's a forerunner and someone that's a, that's that's, that's a, a false savior the forerunner is always pointing away to the savior that in spite of all the accolades and in spite of all the the fame that others try to heap upon them, they say, no, it's not, it's not me. It's not. I'm just pointing the way. I'm just the light in the darkness, pointing the way to one that's going to come after me. I'm just pointing the way to one that's greater than me. But those that are that are those false saviors, they are the mighty hunters among men. They are those that 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 seek influence and and power over all of creation to make with their own hands what they believe is, is, is in comparison or could be considered and similar to the works of the Almighty. And we see in every case that God frustrates those works. You know, when we look at, at Adam and Eve and, you know, God, God said that from the seed of the woman that, that a Savior was going to come. And and I imagine that they didn't fully under they only understood what they understood at that time. And so who was the first child that, that Eve had? Who was the first child Eve had? Any of you all know? It was Cain. It was Cain. I, I imagine they said, Oh yes, finally. Whew. You know, the punishment is over with. Punishment time is over with. We can we can get off of this 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 judgment that God has called upon us. Here's the child that's gonna bruise Satan's head. Not so. Not so. He sought to establish his own way over and above God's way. To set his own direction over and above God's will. That's, that's, that's how you know a false, a false savior. They seek to establish their own ways. They, they seek to establish their own reasonings and their own thoughts. They seek to excuse... their own obvious shortcomings. They excuse the world around them and say, well, that's just the way society is. says, well, you know, good people can make bad choices. That's just the way society is, you know. But they, 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 they don't cling to that standard of righteousness. The standard of holiness that's over and above because they know that they can't meet it. Those are those, those false saviors. And so we have to appreciate that a savior has been given to us so that we can stop trying to save ourselves. A savior is a rescuer, a deliverer. Jesus is the Christ. He is the only anointed. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. And we'll talk more about that as we, as we get into the message today. Just as a quick review, when we talk about the promise of a Savior, we said that we began, you know, when Christ was was here on the earth, as I was looking at how to explain this lesson, how to more fully express what it means to have a Savior, I I thought that that the best person to explain Jesus, the Christ, is Jesus, right? And so as he sought to explain himself to the Pharisees and those that sought to trip him up, and also the, the the onlookers that were trying to be educated, he says, "Well, if you want to understand me, you need to understand the scriptures because they speak of me. You search diligently in the scriptures in order to find eternal life, but they are those that they are that they are that which speak of me." And so Jesus began to expound, and, and we see in the scripture that that the promise of a Savior at first with with Adam that. The promise of the Savior was timely, that as soon as they disobeyed God and death was due to mankind. That when death was due, when punishment should have been meted out, that instead God gave a promise. Instead, he gave a promise. In Genesis 3 and 14, And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly thou shalt go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. See that as soon as as salvation was needed, that God didn't let man wander around in his sin. He didn't allow him to to remain in the garden and eat of the tree of life so that there would be no hope for salvation. But immediately, immediately, confrontation went forth. And a promise was given. We said the confrontation, it leaves room for repentance. Confrontation leaves room. You know, a lot of people, they don't like us Christians because they say that, that we're too judgy. They say that we're too preachy. That people are just going to be how they're going to be. You know, confrontation is not condemnation. Condemnation says, this is who you are. And this is who you're going to be. That you're forever lost. Confrontation says, this is the standard of God. This is the standard of righteousness. And for those that have not confessed Him as Savior, it says that God loves you so much that He wants you to know That you are not in his good graces, but he's made a way for you to be in his good graces. Confrontation, it leaves room for repentance. So that there can be a change of mind and a change of heart. We saw that in Abraham, that the promise, it was strength. That against hope, against reality... Against those things seen and those things experienced in Abraham's own body. In the deadness of Sarah's womb. Against all logic, against all reason. It was crazy for him to believe what God told him would happen, would actually happen. But he says, Lord, if I'm going to be a fool, I'll be a fool for you. If I'm going to be made ashamed, I'll be made ashamed for believing and trusting in you. In the promise for Abraham, it was strength. Many of you, God is—he's he, telling you to to extend yourself, to make another level of commitment, to, to to dig in deeper. And you're saying that doesn't make any sense. I don't see how it's even possible. That's just foolishness. I have to look I have to look out for my I gotta I gotta get my own. I gotta get my own. It says if you would trust in the promises of God, it would be strength to you. It would be strength to you. Where you were not able to, where where it was blocked for you in the past, where there where the doors were closed, and you were frustrated at every turn. Align yourself with the will of God. Align yourself with His purpose. And see, and see how He's able to work in your life. See how He's able to work in your life. We said the promise of a Savior that for Moses, it was order and righteousness. It was order and righteousness. The Lord said that, you know, Moses, that you're, you, you've been a judge over these people, telling them the way that, 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 that I've instructed you, showing them the, the, the plans and the layouts for the for the, uh, for, for the tabernacle, and, and giving them the the laws I've given it to you. But I'm going to send another just like you that's going to come and instruct my people. And that was he was talking about Jesus Christ. That it's it's order and righteousness. And we see that that Christ he sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit established gifts. So that the church would have order, and that the people would understand how to behave in the house of God, and we'll touch on it some more. But I just, I just love how, within order and righteousness, there's there's this 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 element that you can't escape it. This element of unity. This element of unity of oneness. How there is no competition. There are no jealousies. There are no conflicts. There are no imitations where someone is trying to be like someone else. But no, I'm just trying to be what God has called me to be. I'm just trying to do what He's called me to do. And it's for the sake of order. It's that God's will might be accomplished. We see in the in, in promise of a Savior that in the life of David, that the promise it was unbounded. That in David's life, that God showed him that, you know what? All through creation I've been instructing and correcting, instructing and correcting, and instructing and correcting. But I want to let you know that that my spirit, I'm not going to take my spirit. When your son is on it, I'm not going to take my spirit away. That it's going to remain. That there will always be a pathway for forgiveness. That there will always be mercy extended until the day of judgment. So we, say, we see in David that the promise is unbounded. It's unbounded by time and it's unbounded by condition. David, he was the king, and the Lord was speaking to him of his son, but he called, he said, of his son, that his son would be his Lord. It was unbounded by the temporary. That that which was going to come in the natural was going to be something that was actually spiritual. And I know it's a little confusing when when you say it like that, so I'll just slow it down. That something that was going to come in the natural was going to be something that was spiritual. That it was unbounded by time, by the temporary. And it was unbounded by condition. It was not contingent upon. the flaws and the regrets and those things that that, that we didn't do. Those things that we wish we could have changed. Those mistakes that we made. You know what? It's not not about this, this vessel that you are. It's about His love. It's about His love that the opportunity is extended. So the promise is unbounded. It can't be constrained. You know, men think that if if I would just have the right technology, if I would just speak to all these tribes in Africa, if I would travel throughout Asia, if I would build roads and if I would send out, you know, live streams and podcasts, that, that then the end would come because I could get the gospel preached everywhere. But, you know, it's not bounded. It's not bounded by man's schemes and man's devices. The Lord was able to take 12 out of a nation that had been conquered over and over again. You couldn't say it was an influential nation. It was was under occupation at the time. And those 12 turned the world upside down. The Lord is able to take you. He's able to take you. And you can be the transformational figure in your family, in your home. And change generations to come. Change generations to come. It's not bounded by time or condition. You know, I said before that that this message I really wanted it to reach out to you know what who we call the next generation or or you young people because I want you to understand that, that the Savior that God has given us, that he is the Savior. That you don't have to look for approval from anybody else. That you don't have to seek after the world's approval. That you don't have to, you don't have to be shackled by and bound by what you've seen so far up to date. He says, well, you know, my parents, they worship God to a certain extent. And that was, that's as far as they went. Is that as far as I need to go? God is saying he's, he's unbounded. He is unbounded. You can fully pursue the will of God. And I say that because many of you are, are about to go through temptations, trials, and tests as you make transition from one part of your life to the next. You know, but I realize that, that, that some of us older people, we're also finding ourselves in, in, in this season of change. We also find ourselves in a season of change when when we could have gone to, to mama and daddy and asked to borrow. Now we're the ones. Now we're the ones that our grown children are coming to. And we can say, baby, you don't have to borrow nothing from me. You're my son. You're my daughter. I give it freely. I give it freely. Some of you all have been have been I've been punching the clock for years and you finding out that, you know what, I'm getting closer to the day when I'm not going to go into that office than when I first went in. I need to be ready for that next season in my life, for the change. And, and, and how am I going to occupy, Where am I? how am I going to identify myself when I'm not the engineer or the purchasing officer or the program manager or the project director? How am I going to identify myself when I'm not the teacher or the coach anymore? And it's just me. And it's just me. We need to understand the promise of God. His promise. And so as an illustration, what we did is we talked about Ahaz and Isaiah. And Ahaz, he was the son of Jotham, the grandson of Uzziah. And if you turn to Isaiah chapter 7... We'll spend a little bit of time there, but we're gonna press through. We have a destination tonight, and that destination is eternity. So we have but we have to get we gotta go through this conversation with Ahaz and Isaiah first. In Isaiah chapter seven, what's going on is that Ahaz, he is the king of, of Judah. And he is being challenged by Syria and Israel. And because of that, his confidence is shaken. We said that his confidence in the eternal is shaken by by the immediate peril. Confidence is consciousness of one's power or reliance on one's circumstances. It's what you believe, what you believe you can handle. I can handle this. I got this. I got this. I got this. It's faith or belief in that that someone is going to act in a right, proper or effective way. It's the quality or state of being certain. Says, Lord, I yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know you you, you've done these things in the past. I know that you do them again. It's a relationship. It's a relation of, of trust or intimacy. I've called out to you and you've heard me, you've heard me, you've heard me. But Lord, now now there's there's a bigger challenge that I'm facing that I've never faced before. I'm being challenged in a way that that I've never been challenged before and it's something that's not remote, but it's it's right next to me. It's, 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 It's touched me in my innermost being. That's when you need your confidence. We said in... The example in, in Luke, when, when Christ is talking to Peter, that your, your your faith is going to be tested, that you're going to be shaken, that your relationships are going to be shaken. You're going to be shaken in your in your health. You're going to be shaken as it comes to the way that you're able to support yourself. You're going to be shaken as it relates to the, the, the people that are in your own home. That you're going to be tested. But we said that your, your faith, it will not fail you. Your faith, it will not fail you. Your faith will not fail you if you don't fail your faith. If you don't fail your faith, if you don't let go of, if you don't forsake your trust and your confidence. And I know let's 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 be real. Sometimes we don't have as much confidence that God is going to do what He said He would do? Because we haven't done what we said that we would do. Our confidence in the other party, is a little shaky. When we know that we haven't been acting in a right, proper, or an effective manner. But we read in First John chapter 3, let's go there. First John 3. Starting with verse 20, 1 John 3, starting with verse 20. It says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence toward God. So if we know that we know that we know. One thing that you should know is that God knows all. You know where you said that you would and you didn't. You know where you said that you would continue, but you quit. But what you need to know is that He knows all. He knows all. He is greater. He is greater than our if our hearts condemn us. He's greater than our hearts. He's greater than our hearts. True love didn't wait. He knows all. He knows all. That which you were supposed to set aside to give you spent on something that was nothing. He knows all. He knows all. When you should have When you should have extended your hand, you held back. When you should have shown love, you didn't show love. And now you feel so bad about it. You're like, you know what? That wasn't right. That wasn't right. That wasn't right. Can God ever... He he is greater. If your heart condemns you, He is greater than your heart. You know, but He knows. He knows all. We said that in our confidence that that we have to show confidence in in Christ by acting with purpose. We need to show confidence by patient endurance. We need to show confidence by continuing to believe. By continuing to believe. And so something that that my daughter was asking me about. When you look at this this scripture in Isaiah chapter 7. One thing that I left out that I wanted to make sure I brought out this time is that when God sent the prophet to speak to the king, he says, take your young child, take your young son with you. Take your young son with you. Take your young son with you. Why, why is he doing that? You've got to understand that these are, yes, he's a prophet. Yes, this is the king. These are people, though. These are people that have lived lives. They've lived lives in close proximity to each other. Isaiah was a prophet when, when Ahaz's granddaddy was king. He was a prophet when his granddaddy was king. He's showing him that, you know what, the same, if you remember back when you were being taught as a child, and we told you that Jesus loves you, and we told you that he cares. And you had such confidence, such assurance that what was said was true. You know, there's nothing, we have to hold on to our confidence the way that a child holds on to a promise that's given them. You could tell a child, don't tell a child something idly. Oh, they will remember that and they will hunt you down and they will haunt you and bring it up again and again. It could be all kind of other things going on and they're like, oh, yes, oh, yes. Oh, but do you remember you remember you said that you were going to take me to Andy's ice cream if I got an A and I got the A. Can't. We need to have that, we need to remember and have that same confidence in God. The way a child has a confidence. That you know what, the child didn't ask, well what's going to be the balance of your bank account when I get my report card? What's the timing in the month? I mean the six week period ends in the 15th. I know you don't get paid to the first, so how are we going to balance this out? Are you going to put off some, they don't, they don't care about any of that stuff. They don't care about any of the the mechanizations and the hows and the what. All they know is that you made a promise. You made a promise. God has made a promise. And in spite of what you see, in spite of what... (laughs) You know how children are. They could have done something wrong and got a whooping for it. But if you promised them that they got an A, you were going to take them to Andy's ice cream. They said, I got the A. Yes, I got my... I got... That's done. Hey, that's over with. That's done with. Yes, I got corrected. But you made a promise. And I'm going to hold you to it. We need to have that. So when, when, when Isaiah has his young son, he says, you know what? I'm going to let you know, and my son will hear it, that before this, this boy knows the difference, knows to ha- know how to consistently choose between right and wrong. Essentially, he was saying that before my son can consistently choose between right and wrong, you Ahaz are going to need to remember how to choose between right and wrong. How to have confidence in God. That those things that, you, that are troubling you, those kings that are coming against you, that they, their kingdoms will be desolate. They will be disposed of. They will no longer be any threat to you. They will no longer have any power or any menace over you. So there is a lesson in Isaiah 7. Why does God ask the prophet to bring his young child with him? He says, I want you to see. I know you say that you hear me, but I need you to see so that you can have the example that the same way that you believed when you were a child and you had confidence, you need to have that same confidence because God doesn't change, He doesn't change. They were not telling you fairy tales and stories. They were telling you about a true and living God. You know, a lot of times our children, they think that we're just making this stuff up. It's it's, it's not a story. It's not a fairy tale. Your parents have, have seen things. They've experienced things. They've seen the way of their aunts and uncles. They've seen the way of their brothers and sisters. And they've considered all these things. And they said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then as children, we say, oh, well, you know, it's, do we need to serve the Lord? Learn, learn from wisdom. Learn from wisdom. Learn from the experience that other people have had. You don't have to commit their sins. God's called you for so much more than that. Emmanuel, God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. You know what, God? He, he has to give us people revelation. There's no way we could figure it out on our own. He has to give us revelation... So that we can act in faith. God gives us revelation so that we can act in faith. We've already talked about that. We have to, he gives us revelation about the promise. That we need to have confidence in the promise. And we need to understand the incarnation of Christ. So when we talk about incarnation, what does that mean? Incarnation, it means literally to become Flesh. That which was spiritual becomes natural. And when we think about the incarnation, I want you to understand and realize that, you know, I know that you've heard fairy tales and there's been fake news out there. But the incarnation is unique to Christ and Christ alone. There is no other deity... There is no other deity, there is no other spiritual being that put on flesh and walked among men and dwelled. There's no, there, no, no. You say, well, what about the angels? They, those were messengers. Those were messengers sent for a specific task. And when their, when their work was done, they had to go. They had to go. This is what says, well, Satan walks to and fro. You know, but he's not, the, the devil is not flesh. He's not, he has no ability to move in this physical world. All he can do is to persuade, to present and to persuade. To present and to persuade. You know, God doesn't contradict himself. He sent Jesus, so we know God God never felt the need to himself become flesh. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells in the believers. The Holy Spirit is not an individual walking around. He dwells in the believers. The incarnation is unique to Jesus Christ. So one thing that we need to know is that no spiritual being walked the earth as a man. Also we need to know that there's no man that's ever walked this earth as Christ. There is no man that's ever walked this earth in the same manner as Christ. He was born of the seed of the woman. No sin was in him able to fully obey the will of God. There's no man. There's no no prophet. There's no hero. There's no movie star. There's no celebrity. There's no favorite preacher that you have that that can claim or aspire to or say that they are the anointing. No, Christ is the only anointed. Jesus Christ, He is the eternal Son given by the Father. Go to John 1 and 1. John 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. In the Psalms, it talks about that. It talks about, it describes Him as, and here it, talks, it describes Christ as the Word. In the Psalms, it describes Christ as As wisdom. As wisdom. And so you ask, "Well who does God run with? who does God run with? It says that wisdom was by his side and was his delight and was the creator of all things. You know you think you're happy watching your your your, your children run a ball up and down a field or or doing a, a contest or or walking across the stage for awards, but 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 God was watching Christ in all of creation. Making all things. And nothing was made that was not made by Him. And He was so delighted. He was filled with so much admiration and pride. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. It's right after Philippians. Philippians. Colossians chapter 1. This is talking about Christ. Chapter 1 verse 15. It says, Who is the image of the invisible God? We see in Him what could not be seen. We see in Christ, in Jesus Christ, what could not be seen. The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. You know, a lot of time man thinks that, you know, this earth exists for me. That this planet this planet exists for me, this planet exists for me, this planet exists for me. This this planet God God put this planet here because I'm here. God put this planet here for all things were made for Him, by Him, and for Him. He put the planet here because He he planned before the foundations, before the earth was even formed. He says, you know what? I've already slain the incarnation. Son, you've already been made flesh. You're going to give your life. All things were created by Him and for Him. Man was made in the image of God. But Christ is the image of God. Don't miss that. Man was made in the image of God in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And to us we know who's God's running buddies, wisdom. And God said, "Let, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So man was made in the image of God. But Christ is the image of God. And we see that that Christ was made flesh. The word was made flesh. Go to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I just love these transitions that. That, 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 that Paul has taken us through. He says that in the fullness of time, not according to man's designs or man's schemes or man's conditions, but when, when God said that it was time, He sent forth His Son. He sent forth His Son. Sending forfeit indicates that he, he, he sent him with a specific he He had a purpose in going. He didn't just show up on the scene trying to figure it out. He had a purpose in going. Made of a woman. Not of the seed of man, but of the seed of a woman. No sin is in him. Made under the law. Although no sin was in him, he still needed to keep. He still needed to be obedient. He was still subject to because he placed himself under. He says, I I don't consider it to be any robbery. I'm going to make myself, I'm going to humble, I'm going to abase myself. I'm going to abase myself. We were talking about the order of the home. And how sometimes if the woman is making more than the man, then she feels that she can set the she can say, Well, I'm the I'm the order in this home. Because I got the I have the ability. I got the I got the power, right? You search the scriptures because you think, because there you find eternal life. The same scriptures speak about Christ. They speak of Christ. He didn't consider his deity, he disregarded it and, and, and clothed himself in humanity. He humbled himself. He said, You know what? I could do whatever I want to on this planet. What I want to do is I want to serve the will of God. I could do whatever I want to. But what I want to do is to do the Father's will, it's to be about the Father's business. so that we might receive the adoption of sons. Go back to John chapter 1, verse 14. You can just write it down. It says that, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. There are many people with with abilities, and they become infatuated and abusive with the power that they have. But he was full of grace and truth. And truth. There's no contradiction in him. He, he, He aligned himself with the will of God. He is righteousness, he is holy. And why did he have to come? Because he was bringing in a new time. In the fullness of time, he came so that he could announce that this was a new time. Go to Hebrews 10, verse 5. If you can't get there, write it down. I'm just, just going to go. It says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. Christ comes in the fullness of time. We're talking about the incarnation of Christ. He comes in the fullness of time because now is a new time. Now is the time for salvation. Now is the time for salvation. Back to first John chapter four, verse two. It says, hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. He had to come in the flesh so that we could confess that Jesus is the Christ. The evidence of God's love towards us is that we are called, that we can now be called the children of God. We can be called the children of God. We've been invited to enjoy fellowship with the Father through Christ. The table is set. Will you come to the table? The meal is prepared. The bread has been laid out. Will you eat of it? The birth of Christ is peace on earth. That means that man no longer has a need to hide from God. There's no, there's no longer a need to, to struggle with God. To fight against the flesh. We can mortify the flesh. And don't be surprised if, if the people around you don't understand. That they cannot comprehend. If your family, if your friends. that They can't comprehend this thing that God is sharing with you. what The love that is shed in your heart. Because the world didn't know Christ either. He came to a people that had, had, had been anxiously awaiting Him. Had been anticipating His return. Had been keeping the oracles of God. He walked among them. And many of them did not know who He was. They could not even recognize Him. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14, it says, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto to the end while it is said today if you will hear his voice harden not your hearts as in the provocation when it says that we have been made partakers we've been made partners we've been made sharers we have an active involvement with the eternal but we have to keep our confidence. We have to keep our confidence. We need to take special attention today. Today is the day of salvation. We were talking before about how, how we see it in, in the order and the righteousness that there is that oneness, that there is unity. Go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Just start with verse 6 because it's so good. It says, who being in the form of God, this is talking about Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, that he didn't consider it to be a vain thing, Or something to be grasped, to be stolen, to claim the throne of God. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And there's so much there's so much in there. But what I want you all to grasp on in terms of how does this apply to me, that with Christ, there was no competition between him and the Father. There should be no competition between you and those that God has called that are acting according to the will of God. You should not put yourself in competition against your brothers. You should not be in competition against the people in your home. You should not be in competition with your family. There's no imitation. Christ wasn't trying to imitate God. You know, we said before when we were speaking about our, our, our current pastor, Pastor Albert Hill, and our, and our founding pastor, Pastor uh, Forrest P. Hill, that, 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 that she is not trying to imitate him. That she's not trying to, to do it. Not, it's, not, it's not a sequel. Right? It's not a replay of the same. That she's not trying to repeat the works that have already been done because those works are finished. Something that you all need to know is that there's no way that you can be the same people that your parents were. You can't be an imitation of them because they got married at 24 because they had three kids and a dog. That doesn't mean that that has to be the course of your life. As long as you're trying to be an imitation, you're always going to be a poor copy. If you if if you want to if you only want to usher because your parents usher, if you only want to sing because your parents sing, if you only want to do this and do that because of what they do, then just know that you're always going to be a poor copy. Until you begin to understand what is the will of God for my life? What is God asking of me? What is the sacrifice that is required of me? Then you'll begin to press into what God has called you. Then you, you'll, find, you'll find excellence there. As an imitation, you'll always be a poor copy, a substandard copy. There'll always be cracks and fault found. But when you press into the will of God, then you'll press into excellence. Then you'll press into excellence You know, in Christ, there was no rebellion. We we see that that Lucifer, he was just in the presence of God and allowed to serve. and, And that was too much for him. That he thought to exalt a throne above God's throne. But in Christ, we see that there's no rebellion. Go back to SoundCloud. Listen to the messages about Abraham and Lot. And how Lot should have been a son in Abraham's house. But instead he wanted to be a brother. Instead, he wanted to be an equal. And he had strife with Abraham about his possessions and Abraham's possessions. And in the end, in the course of a a few years, he was, he was, he had disagreements about possessions. We find that Lot has no possessions the very thing that he had disagreements and fallen out about, that he didn't even have that anymore. And not only did he not have any possessions, but he also had lost out on the inheritance. You don't have to try to to, to better your parents. You don't have to try to better anybody in this ministry. You don't have to try to out Sister John, Sister John's, to out Minister Hasten, Minister Hasten. Out, Minister Stinson, Minister Stinson. You don't have to try and be better than anybody in this. All you have to do is press into the will of God for your life. Press into what God is saying for you. There's no rebellion in our oneness, in our unity. When you understand that God has sent a Savior, it puts away those arguments, it puts away those rebellions. Because you realize, you know what, I don't have to try to I don't have to try to be all of that in the bag of chips. I can I can I can just be who God has called me to be. I can be who God has called me to be, and that's enough, and that's enough, and oh my gosh, it's gonna take all my life and all my strength, and all my patience and long suffering and forbearance. Just to do that. Just to do that. Just to be what God has called me to be. I'm going to have to break a sweat and press. Because there will be opposition from those that, that are closest. Because those that are far away, they really can't oppose you. They really can't say anything about you. You don't even care. But those that you care the most about, those that those that you share Thanksgiving dinner with, those that you look up to, those that can counsel you in some areas, you find that they have no counsel for you as it pertains to the will of God. You know what? Thank you for showing me how to change a tire. But I'm talking about the will of God. You know what? I really appreciate that, that macaroni and cheese recipe. But I'm talking about the will of God. I love you, dear. I love you, dear, so much. So, so much. But you're telling me that I don't need to give tithes to that church? I love you. But I have to stay with the will of God. I have to stay with the will of God. Philippians 2. Stay there. We should be there. Just jump up. Verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you. Which was also in Christ Jesus. So you've got to understand what that means. That the, the, the very same man that humbled himself to put on flesh, let that mind be in you that was in him. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Where there is no competition, there's no imitation. There's no rebellion. Because then we can be truly transformed. Then we can be transformed. John 3 and 3. Nicodemus is coming to Jesus to ask him questions. Because he says that, you know, it appears that you might know some things. Although I'm supposed to be a teacher of the law. It appears that you might know some things that I don't. I I, I missed out on. I missed out on. John 3 and 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What we will be has not yet been revealed. But one thing that we have confidence in is that we will be like him, we'll be like our big brother. Jesus Christ. We will see Him just as He is. And this mortal. This mortal will become immortal. This corruptible will become incorruptible. We must be born. That is that's the hope that we have. That is the hope of this season. I I, I just I just you know I I hope you realize that I'm not we haven't said anything at all about how you're supposed to finance your Christmas gifts. We haven't said anything at all about how you're supposed to to deal with your, your 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 racist grandparents and your and your criminally minded nieces and nephews. Let the mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you. Then you will truly understand. You'll understand how it is that you need to approach every situation. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. I'm just going to go there. We're going to finish here. Says now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. But we're gonna have to we're gonna have to purify ourselves. We're gonna have to no longer be conformed, but we're gonna need to be transformed. We're gonna have to stop being timid, inconsistent, ineffective, and average. But we're gonna have to be bold. Focused, effective, and excellent. Excellent. We must continue to keep our confidence in Jesus Christ until the end. He came in the flesh to prove the faithfulness of God. He sent His Spirit to dwell in those that believe on Him to keep us through this life and cause us to be able to one day stand blameless before God. Because he came, because he came and he put on flesh for just a short time, for just a short time, he opened up the way. He opened up the way so that we can take off this this mortal and put on immortality and stand and stand before God blameless, blameless. In Christ Jesus. Amen. His love is so amazing. His love is so awesome. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.